What's up, guys? Welcome back. I uh, hope you guys uh, checked out Anchor. Shout out Anchor, Matt. Great stuff, man. Keep up that. Keep up that great work, dude. You got some. You got some sponsorship voices. Um, but uh, as we kind of jump back into this, um, kind of hit on JP a lot earlier in the, in, in the pod. Um, just development. Um, kind of want to keep that trend going, guys. So let's let's hit our uh, number two pick this year, bro. James Wiseman. Um, what uh, what are you guys liking? What you seeing from him? Obviously, you know, kind of going through a little tough stretch. Just um, you know, just kind of figuring out his role, I guess, just and at the NBA level. So, um, what's your uh, what's your guys' take on uh, Big James, uh, Matt, Charlie? Take it away. I think the I think we got to start with the discourse first, just around Wiseman right now. 100%. Very negative, obviously, and very much. Yeah, uh, uh, there he's being labeled a bust already by a lot of people. Obviously, are close to it. It's or an all but an all but name. You know what I mean? There's a lot of frustration with the pick and how he's been playing. Um, he's not had his best stretch. Uh, of late and I think some I've kind of noted he hasn't had his probably has been um one of his worst months in all honesty March but uh yeah I think I think we gotta relax is my first takeaway uh you gotta we gotta relax and let the guy play and understand that like as a 19 year old big with very little experience he's gonna have to take his bumps and bruises and they're like one of the Warriors best case scenarios revolves around uh this kid making a jump so I think again just right now we gotta jump away from the the bus discourse the trade him discourse I mean I think there's absolutely something to be said for whether or not this guy will like will reach his potential um during a timeline for Steph and that's a whole different conversation but uh he clearly has a lot of potential and I don't think I don't think we should be uh dismantling the kid as of yet I think we got to wait this year to pass wait for an off season. I mean the Warriors are going to do their due diligence obviously this summer and see you know if anything comes up I'm sure you know they'll do it uh, but they have to do. But um, as of now, it's this is what you got to do with these guys. This season is going to be very much about letting the young guys grow and letting them take their bruises, man. Because I mean, the athletic guys say it all the time. This the Warriors have to see what they have right now, um, and that's kind of the most important thing because they're not. No matter who they would have added at the trade deadline, they're not winning titles. And one of the most important things is seeing and developing their number two pick in the draft. Yeah, I think people get lost too. That like it's fine you know like we've obviously had this high coming off the five straight championships but like it's a perfectly fine outcomes for most teams to like play a playoff series maybe win or lose it and then like lose in the second round you know like that's what most of the league just ends up doing um and with the development I mean you're looking at 30 games left it's been tough especially I think for a guy like Wiseman I mean we've touched on having no college games, basically, having no training camp, having all this injury problems, having COVID delays. I mean, even having, having a missed COVID. test, you know, like he's just had everything that could go wrong, go wrong. And the fact that he's still shown up with like this incredibly positive attitude to every game, like he doesn't show this outward frustration at other people. He shows it himself. Mm-hmm. You know, like he knows what he's doing wrong. Like he'll bite on a pump fake and then be like pulling his hair out. Well, man. Yeah, like he's you know, like he's angry at himself. And like that's what good players want. Like they want to be good, you know. Like if he was just walking around like, oh, you know, another guy like got me to bite, like whatever. Like that's not his mentality. He wants to learn, he wants to get better. So it's one thing to look at a guy who's just had a brutal start to his rookie year and hasn't seemed to care, but he's genuinely seemed to take this as like a frustration point in a good way, in a constructive way. 
and all the Warriors players and coaches raved that he's just soaking up all the knowledge he can. So that's still a guy I want to bet on from a development standpoint. Yeah, I mean, the best thing you can have is like a freak, freak, freak of nature athlete. That's what he is, man. He is a freak. Yeah, seven a one freak. fucking. The best thing you can have is a freak of nature, raw athlete who clearly cares about, you know, his play as much as anything in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys touch on it. I think you guys hit on it perfectly, man. Like, the guy's 19, hasn't, you know, had any kind of, like, college experience pretty much. Um, kind of jumped in from high school damn near into the NBA. And um, I, a lot – I, I saw I, – I don't know if you guys saw it. Like, the other day I was seeing some shit on uh, – about Wiseman, about talking about how he's, like, Kwame Brown or something. I'm like, dude, that's um, just the worst possible comparison. A, um, as Stephen A. Smith said, man, Kwame Brown ain't never had a, a movie to go to in his life. You already see Wiseman's got that face-up game damn near like – I mean, it's obviously a work in progress still, but it's, it's solid, man. He's, he's facing up. He's got that nice jab jab step into a jump shot. Um, he's got that quick little like like spin move, not necessarily, but like he's quick, man, and it's it's effective when he when he's um, confident in himself. Um, so – I mean, I think you guys said it, bro. Like, I think a lot of this is going to come down to just him, him believing in himself. I think that's one thing. If I do, do have a criticism about Wiseman, um, it's nothing about, uh, about his game. Obviously, that's a work in progress. And, you know, like like we said earlier, bro, it's, it's going to take time. We saw with JP, it took him a year, some, some like some real playing time in the G League to really figure some stuff out. Um, and for Wiseman, it's going to be the same thing, just game situations where he's really playing. But the one thing I do want to see is I, I, I do see him getting down on himself a lot during games. And I know it's tough. I mean, the kid's 19. You're, you're going against NBA big men night in, night out, and not necessarily having the best games. Um, but just to – like, you want to see that kind of killer instinct in a guy. And I think, I think it really comes out when you're, you know, down, down and out. And um, you do see him kind of, you know, on the bench when he gets subbed out, you know, just kind of looking down and – um, like it's not like it's not even like a knock against him. It's just one of those things where you want to see him kind of come back in and you know play with a little bit more aggression, um, but smart aggression. You know, you, you see him um, you know jump and pump fake sometimes and get a little get a little too excited and you know shit happens. Um, but um, if that's your biggest like if that's the biggest criticism somebody has for you right now, you're probably doing the right thing, man. Like it's all about just trusting it and like just listening to guys like Draymond. Um, you hear guys on the team all the time. JTA said the other day, once the kid figures it out, he's going to be a beast. Um, I think, like you said, Matt, he's a freak of nature. Um, 7-1 dude, athletic as hell. Um, he can shoot the ball. He's got that face-up game down. So it's all just developing that post game. Um, Charlie, you kind of said it earlier. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to see him. Obviously, he's not good at it right now, but the best way you're going to get better in the, on the block and post is to do it during games. Um, obviously some of those possessions are not going to work out as well as you want, but, um, it's all just part of the learning curve. And, you know, as he kind of gets more comfortable and gets an off season under his belt, um, I think the trading, the, the trading Wiseman thing, he's one of our biggest assets. He's our number two overall pick. Um, I think, uh, this again, just Warriors fans just overreacting to so much stuff. And, um, you're not getting, David Robinson wasn't great from day one, you know, none of these like great big men. And especially at a time when you're playing in a, in a league right now where, the center position is not necessarily what it was. Um, James Wiseman, like 20 years ago, 7-1. Four years insane. ago, man. Four years ago. Would have been insane. Um, so we're kind of in this position, this kind of basketball right now. And for a guy with that kind of skill set to jump into that kind of prototypical center position right now, obviously tough. And it's going to take time. And uh, just kind of trust trust the process, trust the trust the coaching staff, because they obviously see something – they obviously see a lot in him. So um, as do we. So um, it's going to be cool. But um, yeah. just got to lay off the kid. I do think they got to 
they got to work a little more on though. Like I, I think totally agree with what you guys are saying. And I think a lot of people uh, complain a lot about the post-ups, complain a lot about the elbow touches. Um, Cause they, they, there's a lot of like, oh, they're trying to turn uh, James Wise into Bogut. Bogut, pardon me. It's like, okay, they're not trying to turn this guy into Bogut, but Bogut was a ridiculous screener and a ridiculously good passer. And so I think trying to enhance those skills in the big man is not. There's nothing wrong. And I think uh, with the way the Warriors run their, their offenses, you kind of need a big, if you, if you have that like intangible seven, one kind of size and just the strength the guy can, can have that that's one of the parts of your game you have to work on. And it's yeah, just, and you got to add it to your who, arsenal. Yeah. Putting a guy who doesn't have that in his arsenal now in a position where he has to make some reads isn't again, if you're trying to develop the guy, that's kind of what you have to do partially. You know, put him in a spot where he's not comfortable and where if you want – you you being a good passer is better than not being a good passer. Right now, he's not a good passer. And trying to get him to be one is not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I do think the Warriors need to do a better job of kind of um, splitting those two things up. You know what I mean? Because I think they do a lot of – and if they've done more of it the last couple of games, but they kind of force him, though, into these roles more often that he's not comfortable in, I think they also do need to do more of throwing this guy in the pick and roll more often. You know, having him face up more often just for the sake of – uh, letting letting him know, letting the organization know that, that they know what he's good at, you know, and keeping the kids' confidence up because he is like you both noted, you know, uh, if he's facing up, it looks great. If he's rolling the basket and he catches the ball, he's probably going to score, you know. And so I think it just balancing those two a little more, but I don't have a problem with them putting him in positions where uh, he needs to be successful. Um, I'm curious to whether you're not whether or not you guys are confident in the Warriors' um, ability to develop a guy who's pretty raw like him yeah I think you know we'll touch on some of the stuff with Kerr later and you know the validity of some of the criticism I've seen that have been thrown at him but you know when you look at the position that Kerr is at not only is he in this position to develop talent I mean we know that he inherited a very complete roster in terms of skills and I think in terms of experience and was able to implement a system that really maximized their skills and he's already put together like a hall of fame coaching resume in his first five years. Like it's just unheard of. And now he has to work in the reverse where he went from that to overseeing the worst team in the league. And, you know, not only the worst team, but a team that had like no direction, you know, there was no Steph. Draymond was mentally checked out, you know, like clay was injured. Like it was just brutal because you weren't a team that was prepared to be bad. And now you're a team that's working in an unbelievable talent in Wiseman. Like, that is not something that he expected either. And I think you're seeing him start of having to develop a guy really for the first time on the fly with all these expectations. I mean, it's not something he's had to do before. And That's not something they're not in general usually. It's not usually an opportunity or, an, or a situation teams are put in to be good and also develop a, a high draft pick. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not easy. Like it's it's gonna take time, and I think having uh, having Draymond on the team right now is is gonna be huge for that kind of development. I think he's gonna be him uh, him and Steve Kerr combined. I think are gonna be huge huge roles in the way Wiseman develops and just kind of developing that mental toughness. Like Steve Kerr was, you know, as 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 we saw in like just the last dance stuff. But like the guy was a mentally tough player, and that's how he was so long. You've seen that, you know, when he was a GM and as a coach. So. The guy, Steve Kerr's been around the ringer in the NBA. He knows talent. Um, he kind of said it, what great, Charlie. I think Steve's in a cool position right now, as, at least as a coach, where he was, um, you know, he had that five-year run, came in with a great roster. And um, I think people, you know, when, you, when you're when you successful all the time, I think people just kind of hold you to that standard. And 
Um, you know, right now with the talent we have, it's, it's not it's not fair. It's not fair on Steve right now to be like, yo, why aren't you coaching at that level? Because you don't have Steph, Clay, Draymond, KD. You know, you got Wiseman, JP, um, Pascal, Nico, guys like guys who are young and still figuring out the game themselves. So for Kerr um, and Draymond, I think to help develop Wiseman is just going to be just kind of giving him reps and putting him in game situations. Um, and then obviously with the off season, just you know work on bulking up and. Um, just stuff that you see from every other organization, what they do with players. And um, the Warriors haven't had a top, you know, top pick in a while. It's always been, you know, mid, mid late first rounders. Second Harry Barnes, picks. man. Yeah, Harrison <laughs> Barnes is the last one. And uh, shout out HB for that game winner last night. Prestige. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time, man. So I think they have a really cool project with Wiseman. I think they're all bought in on making sure the kid develops into what he can be. Um, and it's all just, you know, putting putting it together. And it's not going to happen over a year. It's not going to happen over one, you know, shortened NBA season. It's going to take time, an off season for sure. So um, just kind of staying with it. And, you know, as this team kind of grows and develops, I think a big reason for success down the road is going to be James Wiseman. And um, we, we've seen flashes of it already. So um, the talent's there. Um, the kid has a work ethic. Um, we've heard it from everyone. So, um it's just, it's just going to take time. And, you know, for right, we got that luxury where we're not winning a championship this year. So you can take that, you know, kind of extra time in games and, you know, blow out games. So just putting him in position to succeed. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, all, more, that's all it is. One more thing on Wiseman, too. I know we, I definitely want to touch on Nico a little bit. Uh, I think what's sort of get, gotten lost in all this is for 19 year old centers who just get thrown into the league and expected to, like, play nightly on a playoff-caliber team, he's been, like, a relative success as a rookie. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of these dudes are, like, so disastrous, they're unplayable. And he still had, like, some good stretches at times. Or some of these guys, you know, they can't even show out enough in practice where the coach is like, all right, there's no chance. You know, like, there's no way we're giving you these minutes. Like, they would have figured out something else if they didn't think he was at least somewhat capable so I think it's, I, I think a, yeah. another big big like not it's not even Wiseman's fault, but just being sandwiched between Anthony Edwards and Lamelo Ball, um, obviously two guys who have been put in positions where as rookies they can just come in flat out ball and you know credit to them they've they've really been playing well uh, as rookies really kind of adjusting the NBA game and for Wiseman you know he's coming into a team where we've never really had a traditional center or like a center of that kind of caliber so it's going to take some time. Um, and just with the way he plays, like his skills and what he needs to work on. So I think just being drafted, especially after after Lamelo uh, or before Lamelo, excuse me, um, kind of tough. Um, but you know, nothing nothing he could have controlled. And I think the Warriors obviously knew what they were doing when they picked him. Um, Long term thing, and they 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 said they liked him from day one. Um, so you know, you can't you can't do anything except just you know just watch him develop, and hopefully he grows into the player we know he can be. Yeah, I think I think. Uh... And first of all, on Lomelo, I think Lomelo is just like, I think he's a different, different he's, tier he's player, a man. But um, <laughs> with regards to Edwards and a lot of these other guys, man, he, I mean, I, I do think Wiseman on the right, when I say right team, I mean, uh, on any given team, uh, some garbage time team, he could average 18 and 9 or 10. Uh, you know, I don't think that's like out of the question, right? I mean, like the guy was in the rookie of the year conversation, like before he got to move to the bench, too. Like he, he put together good stretches of games. Um, so the, the talent's there. It's just, you know, this, the other two guys have been balling, and they're in situations where their teams are not. I mean, not Charlotte, but you know, Lamelo's out now. But um, with Anthony Edwards, like Timberwolves suck. The game doesn't matter. Yeah, 
Yeah, game you know, the thing with when we've seen with Wiseman though is he, and it's not meant to be an insult to him, but he's played his best in garbage time, mm-hmm. and that's not a it's not an insult. You know what I mean? He just that's when he there's you, you were talking earlier about how he uh, tends to get in his head. You know what I mean? He gets in his head when yeah. the game's in the line and it really spirals. Right? It's one mistake, you goofs up. Next mistake happens, and it's not a coincidence, right? He's a 19 year old kid. He's playing for a team that wants to make the playoffs. Um, and you love to see that. I mean, that, well, that's, that, that you want it. You want your young guys to want to step up in you know pressure situations and yeah, you know exactly. works out and, and it doesn't. Really. He's looked at his best. It's when yeah. there's been garbage time. The game's done, and he's like, yeah, I can just go to work right now. You know, this mm-hmm. game's kind of out of hand. And I think, I think it's really important to play him those minutes for that reason, though. I think like as long as there's been a few stretches where I've kind of wondered to myself like, why is Wiseman not in the game right now? The game's out of hand. Let the kid get in there, and that's when mm-hmm. the kid shines the most. It's when again, when he's just like, you know what, monkey's off my back right now. I can go for it. That's when you see him play the best. And I think those minutes are going to matter all year because he's going to get a lot more of them. Totally agree. Matt, uh, I know you've been such a huge Nico dude, such a Nico uh, proprietor. You've been trying to sell us to sell him to me all season, and I wasn't buying early, but I've been buying a lot more recently. So what is it you think you've been seeing from him the last few few games? For Nico, man, it's just it's just a – he's not he doesn't look outmatched man he doesn't look like he's not meant to be out there right now he's i mean the the biggest thing for me is in the three-point shot um he's he's hitting threes he's it's not like a it's seven or eight games now where he's hit threes at a pretty high clip i mean he's not gonna shoot he's probably shooting like 60 percent in that span and i don't think that's real obviously but um if he can do that and he can be a pesky defender i don't think he's in his game right now or his build or his body to be a good defender but if he can be a guy who's gonna bug the hell out of you on defense and hit threes and uh, just look a lot more comfortable in the basketball court. That's what he's done the last week or so. Um, whereas the first three or four games since he got back from the all-star break, it looked like he wasn't finding anybody, right? He didn't look like a point guard. That was the reason he was brought in. I think the game was going really fast for him. But I think since those three or four games, we've seen him make point guard reads, right? He's getting into the paint and he's finding guys, which at first, you know, he wasn't doing that. He'd get into the paint and it was a turnover. It was a pull-up jumper. You know, it was something that was ugly all the time. But again, these last three or four games, Guy's quick, man. He's got quick hands on defense. He's making good decisions on offense. And he's hitting three-pointers, man. So if he can do those things for 15 minutes a night, that's a quality backup point guard. Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes out, like like we hit on with JP earlier, um, like just being in the G League and just getting some run. Like he had some, he had some really good G League games. Um, I remember seeing uh, Steve Kerr before they went out into the bubble. They were like, well, we're talking about for Nico. It was like, yo, just, just go out there and shoot. Like he's been working on that jumper and practice and stuff. So um, just developing that confidence to shoot an NBA level. Um, and we're seeing him, man. Like you said, Matt, he's shooting, he's shooting pretty well. And like that's not a big, it's a pretty big sample size at this point. You know, seven, eight games, nine, whatever, how many, how many ever games it's been. Um, but I think for Nico, the biggest thing is just his intangibles. He's got that. He also like uh, Jordan Poole has that really quick first step, um, just a really tight handle. Um, and defensively, I think I honestly think he has the tools to be a solid defender. I think he's got to bulk up a little bit, um, but. The guy's quick. He's just got some great lateral quickness. Um, you can see him beating guys in spot. And he's pesky, like you said, man. Um, we saw it the other day with that um, steal at the end of the quarter um, when he hit the three. Um, he's got quick hands. Um, he's been he's been kind of that pesky kind of defender and, um, you know, just kind of quick guys uh, all through high school and college. So I think he's got all the tools to be that perfect backup point guard for us. And um, same similar thing that we've said with Wiseman and, uh, Wiseman and Jordan Poole, like, now it's just about a time of just putting him in game situations and you know give him that confidence to go out there and you know yeah. run the offense because I think Nico is uh, one of the one of the smarter basketball players we have um, and Draymond Nico and 
Bars down here, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think like if you just like just kind of developing those guys and um, is going to be huge coming down this stretch because once we kind of head into you know this playing and stuff like that, it's going to come down to guys making plays in tough moments. You know, it's a, it's a one game thing and um, with a chance to go to the playoffs. So um, just getting them comfortable and just keeping them keeping them ready. And I think I think the the young guys have been stepping up and. Um, it's been really cool to see. I think that um, going forward, uh, especially with Steph out, how, how much every time he's out left, uh, right now, um, just just give them runs, dude. It's it's all it's all we need right now. Yeah, I just think again, I can't say it enough. It just looks. I forget what game it was. But the game is just very clearly. I'm not going to say he's like a veteran now, but it's slowed down at least a little bit. Oh, 100 percent, 100. He just looks a lot more confident out there on the offensive end. He looks like a guy who, uh, at one point, was a lottery pick. You know, yeah, he was ready to go top 10, top something like that. Yeah, feels okay being out there and feels like he belongs, you feel like. And, um, again, if he can do that, and he just a guy who genuinely knows how to play basketball, he said he's a smart player. And I made, made a joke, obviously, but I, I do think he's a smart player. I think he knows what to do out there. But Charlie, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think the one thing I've been watching, I think the tenacity on defense really shows, you know, like he wants Definitely. to, he wants yeah. to beat guys and he wants to, most importantly, not get beat. Um, I think he's got some really strong hands too. He knows how to time that well. And, you know, I think some guys who are in his position where they're not the most athletic, not the tallest, you know, not the most physically gifted defenders, they make the mistake of trying to overcompensate by, you know, gambling and doing all this crazy stuff. But like, you know, look at a guy like TJ McConnell, like TJ McConnell is like a first team all NBA defender this year, like hands down, because he's just like incredibly smart, incredibly pesky. And he's just, you know, he's always one of the smallest guys on the court. So like you can develop that way with tenacity. Um, and I like too that him in the half court with being, you know, more advanced in his reads, like you said, I think not only does he get to the rim more often instead of settling, but he finds guys. And the thing I'm excited for with the three point shooting is that Nico has been such a good guy in the pick and roll. You know, like he's one guy who actually does really thrive having that. He's in his bag when he's dropping dimes off the pick and rolls. Yeah. And he's great on it, but you know, when teams, if he just like is, is a non-shooting threat, you know, teams can just cover the paint and go against him. But what he's been so eager to do is when they go under the screen on him, he's just pulling the trigger. Confidence. Yeah, and that's the most important thing, too, is the confidence. It's like, oh, they don't want to give me this shot, and I know I can make it. And he's got a good package, too, of, like, baiting guys into being able to get those shots. So, you know, you guys pointed him out early. I wasn't as much of a believer, but I think Nico's really showed that he's worth keeping around for the future. And I think it's interesting to see, too, what happens with these two roster spots because, you know, you've got him on the two-way. You've got JTA on the two-way. He's giving me some real Ty Jones at Duke vibes. Yeah, that's a great that's a great comp, actually. You know, and people like I think Tyus Jones is one of those guys too, where like, you know, you get lost in like what a good backup point guard is, but Tyus Jones has, you know, always just been like a ninety-ninth percentile offensive player in the NBA. And, you know, he's not like fucking Lou Williams on defense. Like he's not gonna totally ruin your game plan. So you know, getting these, like, high-level offensive players that just really know what to do with the ball in their hands. I think it's important to keep that around. That's all, that's all you want, a backup point guard, man. You want a, you want a genuine floor general. You know, you want a guy who's smart on the floor, he can make smart. That's, exact, that's exactly what Nico is, and, or yeah. at least he's showing he can be, which is, which is big time. 
Yeah, so I'm optimistic for him. I don't, I don't see him as like uh, I, I maybe maybe a starting point guard and a bad team at some point, but um, he looks like he has the tools to run on run a second unit. And if he has to step into the first unit for somebody's absence, I don't feel terrible about it. Long yeah, like to get a to get a top ten guy on the rotation from what was he the forty eighth pick or something? Something like that, forty seven, forty eighth, forty seventh. Yeah, like very late. Like that's that's a huge win. This is a fucking steal. And yeah, and so I think. Maybe going into this year, you know, you see Wiseman, you see Pascal. I think people were pretty sold on them being like the long-term projects. And depending on, you know, where you land on Pascal, I think the Warriors have at least. I think we got three solid, three, three or four, like long-term development guys. And I would, I would throw JCA in the mix too. You know, I mean, he's not like that young curve. Like, you know, he's not your traditional, like young guy worth developing, but the fact that he's just walked on the court and just, had good games like night in and night out you know he's not going to give you 20 he's not gonna you know lock down the opposing player you know no, he's gonna go player. hard as fuck though that, that yeah, dude he's is gonna get, he's gonna hustle he doesn't turn the ball over like he makes his corner threes like he doesn't miss shots man yeah i mean it's just you know like he plays at such a high level feel for a guy who has had all this professional experience, but not gotten into the NBA. Like he looks like he belongs. And, I, kind of, uh, I want to see a lineup where they close with, you know, uh, Steph, Poole, Wiggins, JTA, and Draymond. Because if JTA is knocking down his uh, threes, man, it's, it's a, he can play with anybody. He can I think, play. honestly, I think if, if down the stretch of Draymond's not, you know, in, like not a scoring threat on this given night, you throw Wiseman in there with JTA, Wiggs, and uh, Steph and Jordan Poole. I think that's a dirty lineup. Like, um, JTA has shown like he can he can be that kind of uh, hybrid like four kind of guy. Who Three through five, play. man. Yeah, and then he can mm-hmm. guard, and he's he's ten, he's tenacious, man. He can guard any position. Um, the guy deserves a roster spot. I think um, he deserves one of those roster spots. If not this year, definitely. Like we need him on the roster. Um, I think he's gonna do uh, great things. He just he's a smart basketball player, and I think you know he buys into or at least he's gonna, he's gonna buy into the Steve Kerr system if he hasn't already. Um, he just he just knows he's just, he's a hooper man. He just he knows how to hoop. And, he's uh, insurance man. He's insurance for any if, yeah. you, if any of your you know preferably four or five like you said. But if, if a small forward goes down, I feel okay throwing him. Yeah, you play throw him at the three. Oh, you yeah. shoot man. He can score yeah. if he can. If that jump shot's falling, man. He does a, he does enough other stuff that it's like put him out there. Yeah. That windmill was nasty too. You got him benched the next game too, man. Yeah, <laughs> <that was> crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Everything about him, like I mean, I don't know how he is. I think everything just screams a guy you have to, like, keep on this roster going forward. You know, like, not only does he have, like, some potential, but, like, he can contribute to a winning team right now. I'm surprised he's so yeah. much on, like, like uh, just kind of sporadic in terms of being in the lineup. Like, I feel like he'd be Steve Kerr's kind of dream player. Yeah, that's that's for a different conversation, possibly. But I think he is <laughs> a dream player, right? And I also, again, I think they got to give him a roster spot, man, because if he's a free agent this summer, someone's, someone's oh, someone snatching him up. And, and I don't want to – he could I – don't, I don't think he's just going to get, you know, mid-level or anything, but someone can give him a few million dollars, four or five million dollars, and they wouldn't feel too bad about it. So the Warriors – We got money to spend. We got some, we got some extra cash. Yeah, man. I mean, throwing the, the 14th roster spots open, man, he deserves that as much as anybody. 100%. Yeah, I'd be curious if they're willing to uh, – just convert those spots into the guys that they have to Nico and JTA. Yeah. And you know, it really depends on the direction of the team, but I think when you look at by freeing up those roster spots, you know, not only does it free up the chance to like hit the buyout market and, you know, we've seen how quickly that developed. Like I was getting ready notes for today about how, 
fucking badly. I want Gorgie Jang on this team. And the Spurs Spurs. Already got yeah, like we helped the Spurs get him. Like, and I'm just like, oh, but you know, when you see all these guys, the Lakers, you want man. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> Drummond is at this point like a million times more name value than on court value. Oh, 100. Well, Marcus Aldridge is a shell of his former self, but you know, I think if the buyout market doesn't play out, the good benefit is that you can just convert these young guys over and try to give some of them a chance and give them some serious run. And not only that, but like you show them the commitment because, you know, frankly, like JTA knows that he's earned this roster spot. Like we all know that. And to not, I think, give him that at some point, or at least show like, Hey, like some sort of commitment, like, yo, we had to bring in this guy from the buyout, but like, we're going to take care of you. Um, and if they don't bring someone in, then take care of him right now. Like, figure that shit out. Because we've seen the talent that has gotten away from, like, the fringes of the Warriors roster before. And, you know, with having all these injuries, like, we see how important it is to just have one more quality rotation piece than the other team. Do the Warriors want buyout players right now? I mean, do the do the buyout players want them? Is probably the better question. That's, that is no. I think they both matter. I don't. I, that, that's definitely true, and they're definitely not a team's first option. But do you think the Warriors are even? Are they calling these guys? I think as like a you know like looking at I think Wiseman and Looney. You know, like Looney is a guy that they pretty much they kind of know what he is. Um, and I think with Wiseman, you know, they're not worried about his development so much as. You know, like, I think the health is factoring into it as well. You know, you look at the stuff that's gone on with him this year, like, he's missed games for a myriad of weird reasons. Um, But I think, you know, maybe this little pressure is a lot. Like, he's playing the first real schedule of his life, uh, you know, at the NBA level. So, I, you know, I think centers may be the one position they could get away with adding a body without taking away some of that development. But you know, I think to, like, add a guard at this stage who who commands minutes or, you know, adding perhaps a power forward where JTA could be playing there, I think that would qualify as more of a, a mistake. You know, like, if you can, say, take away a guy like Kent Bazemore's minutes and give it to a better player like Otto Porter, I think that's a move that you should consider. But I think with the way Nico, Poole, Wiseman have played, like, you can't really, you know, sacrifice all those minutes in the interest of getting – maybe a little bit better this year. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, uh, I mean, Porter Charlie has been your dream for like a month or two now. Oh, wow, though. Yeah. He's, uh, I've been speaking it into existence. <laughs> and I was saying the other day, though, too, it's like he's he's Kelly insurance, too, potentially. Kelly goes out and Otto, I mean, in some ways could be a could be a better fit just for the shooting aspect and um, slides right in there defensively. But, Gotham, what do you think, man? Um, I mean, yeah, kind of. You guys kind of said it, man. I think I, it's it's going to come down to if if guys, it's going to be a guy, somebody that you know would want to re-sign next year on a on a cheaper contract. Um, I like Auto Porter a lot. Um, I think, uh, like you said, just Kelly Insurance, but also like I think he, he'd fit in better. Um, and also, I just think uh, if somebody is just kind of looking because we can offer a little bit extra money too. So I think if that's you know you're kind of looking to you know just restart your career and I think Otto Porter kind of fits right into that kind of player type um and I think just playing with Steph Steph and Clay that's just that just that opportunity you know help the Warriors you know come back and kind of start this second wave of a dynasty or just continue this you know this this run <laughs> um so I think that um there's a chance but 
you know, uh, just for this season, I think, you know, there's a lot, lot there's a lot more teams with like championship um, aspirations. And um, I mean, shit, if I were, if I was on the bio market, as much as I love the Warriors, I'd, I'd be signing with the Nets or the Lakers or the Sixers or something like that. So um, it's tough, but, you know, hopefully we can hit on someone because uh, uh, that'd be, that'd be big time. It'd be cool. A nice little fresh blood into the, into this mix. It'd be nice. I think this will transition nicely into our next segment as well. But I think uh, I don't see the Warriors, like Charlie was saying, I don't see them even trying to pick anybody up who's going to get in the way of any developmental minutes for their guys. Um, Porter is awesome. Like he's, he's actually awesome. Like yeah. He lights out. <laughs> he can play defense. So, um, like you said, if it's a career start, career restart form, I think Golden State's a good yeah. um, If the guy yeah, wants they, to go grab a ring somewhere, man, he's got some options too. So If you get some perfect little marriage that works out, you know, I think that's what the Warriors are hunting for. But, you know, like you said, there's not, not, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of perfect looking options nah. out there. But that's why they're getting bought out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't get bought out if you're, if you're a great player, you know what I mean? But, um, I think we're going to take a little break now. We're going to answer the question, I guess, next next segment, are the Warriors tanking? And uh, That's the big finale, man. That's that's what everybody's trying to find out. So stick around real quick. Um, we'll catch you guys in a couple seconds. You can hear us talk about Anchor one more time. Yeah, shout out Anchor. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Game 6 Clay Pod. My name is Gotham. Uh, with my boys, Matt and Charlie. Um, been a little wild, but, you know, we got a lot of stuff to cover today. Um, so let's get right into it, guys. Um, start off with the trade deadline. Obviously, um, if you guys were on Twitter, I'm sure everybody that's listening to this was. Kind of a shit show kind of going into it, man. We were kind of seeing not a lot of moves made by the Warriors until, you know, the last couple, last couple minutes, hours. But um, what, was you guys, uh, what was you guys' reaction to the trade deadline? What were your expectations going into it? Um, and just your kind of overall takeaway from the moves made or lack thereof. So, Matt, Charlie, whoever wants the first crack, take it away, guys. Yeah, I think, you know, separating what the, what the Warriors were actually saying versus, you know, what was kind of being debated and made up in these hypotheticals on Twitter kind of got out of hand. Uh, but we saw that I think as the weeks went on towards the deadline, especially compounding with Steph getting his injury, I think you really saw the Warriors stand to – diminish those expectations for the deadline. Uh, I'm sure they definitely were taking calls on Oubre and, you know, all press conference stuff aside, he seems like a guy who wants to be around and they want him to be around. So I think ultimately made sense to keep him. Uh, we had bye-bye Brad season. <laughs> it was about time. Give Jordan and Nico all the playing time, please. And uh, sadly had to see our best broadcaster, Marquise, go. Uh, traded him to the Spurs, Spurs put him on waivers. Basically, you know, both the trades were just paying them to take these guys. So nothing too consequential. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a little surprised that nothing substantial happened, but um, just with, I don't know, some of the language Kerr was using ahead of time and Myers as well, I think we were all expecting maybe a little more, but I think getting Wanamaker out of there was – it was very much a uh, kill Wanamaker so that Poole and uh, Manning can, can live kind of deal. You know what I mean? And uh, getting that guy somewhere where with LaMelo out, you can get a few minutes out there. Um, yeah, I was, I was kind of not phased though, to be honest. I felt okay about what happened. Uh, keeping Uber, if they can keep Uber, uh, it's a pretty, it's, the guy's a good wing. You know what I mean? He's a good, he's a good player to have offensively and defensively, especially, you know, as a guy off the bench potentially, or, you know, you're, third or fourth option on your starting lineup. So I'm not too concerned about that. Um, 
I think it very much signals, though, this team is going all in with the young guys right now, whether that's Poole, Nico. Um, I'm glad to see Damian Lee back in the rotation. But I think that's, again, I said it before the deadline, too. I think the biggest changes we're going to see here with the young guys' minutes. So, Yeah, I mean, I think you guys bring up some good points. I think um, the biggest, like, telling thing from the trade deadline was to was kind of just the league's kind of gauge on our roster, man. You, we weren't really getting that much traction. I'm sure Oubre was getting some um, some stuff. But, you know, obviously for a guy that's that was on the trading block and – um, you know, in trade rumors for like majority of the season, the week uh, leading up to it um, for the Warriors, not to pull the trigger on any deal just kind of shows, you know, just the market for this team right now. And what this lineup, this, like, you know, this, it's not, it's not the best, you know, lineup in the NBA. Um, and I honestly think like you kind of said, Matt, I was just kind of unfazed by it. Like you, we kind of knew what we, were, we what we had on the, on the trading block going in. Um, it was great to get rid of uh, um, what's his name? Wanamaker. Um, but, um, you know, overall, I think it, it just kind of shows that the, like the whole thing that I, like, I've been saying this the entire season, like it's this, this season is kind of one of that one of those in limbo, you know, like we're, we're preaching patience, but at the same time trying to make this roster better. Um, I would have liked to seen some sort of indication that, you know, we're making some move to, you know, prepare this roster for next season. But, you know, if, if the Warriors held on to Ubre, um, I'm sure they did that with some knowledge of him trying to sign back or um, trying to make something work with that. Cause obviously that's a big, big contract situation, a lot of money on the table, but um, this front office has shown that they're going to try and put together a championship team um, to help out Steph, Clay, Draymond as they kind of enter this second half of their prime. Um, so I think um, overreactions are always going to be there. Um, we are part of one of the most volatile friend, uh, fan bases, um, just yeah. uh, reading through Twitter stuff like that. So, um, overreactions were always going to be on the table, but I think that, you know, hopefully, um, we can make some moves in the buyout market. I think that's honestly where the Warriors are more suited to right now. Um, I'll probably talk about that a little later in the pod, but, um, it just goes to show that, you know, this, this team is not nearly, um, as talented as, um, you know, we might have hoped or our expectations were. Um, I think it's just kind of good, like, kind of gut check for us to realize that, you know, what we're working with for this season and kind of temper our expectations going forward. But, you know, overall, I mean, I, I think you guys said it, man. Uh, getting rid of Wanamaker, obviously you sad to see Kisco, but um, just freeing up a little bit more cash and um, just some space to make some make some moves over for down the stretch. Do you guys feel okay about the whole Ubre thing, just given the language that was used afterwards? I know there was that interview, I think it was with Slater and uh, Friedel from ESPN. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it was kind of lost, though. I think there was the whole, like, he um, – basically, like, any starting caliber player would not – he didn't He didn't sound as if he'd be enthused to come off the bench. But the part of that interview that was lost ahead of time was him basically saying he'd love to return, which is good news. But do you guys feel as if just given um, – language he was using the state of the team right now that not trading him was a good idea or do you feel as if they should try to get something for him before the uh before the deadline yeah i mean i yeah, think I, sorry uh, go, go for it yeah uh, i think when you compare to like you know one team that i was watching when you look at all the teams that either didn't make a trade or made very few trades um you know who's completely in the cellar right now is the timberwolves and they did nothing and really one of the only teams that you can kind of compare to this like weird idiosyncrasy of not having all their players together at the right time, like the Warriors have had this season, are the Timberwolves. Like, they just haven't been able to put any of their guys on the floor this year. And obviously, different caliber of talent on the court, different caliber of stage in where they are as a team. But I think when you look at a team like the Warriors, 
they didn't get to put the team out on the floor they wanted this year because of Clay. So, like, to make some big drastic move was just not at all in their character. Uh, and I think when you look at that lens for the Ubre deal, having him in the way that he's worked out over the last month really made sense. I mean, we saw the first month or two of the season, it's like, wow, this guy is playing so poorly. Like, I don't know if we can keep him on this roster just to try to get some function, but he's really turned things around. And I think that's what's been so hopeful about uh, this roster going forward. And you know what, that interview language, it does kind of bother me that those sorts of questions are being asked on a day where a guy's just like waiting around to see if he's going to have to move to a different team, say goodbye to all these guys, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Like I can't imagine getting traded right now is any easier than it is before. So that, that is just a whole other nightmare. And then, you know, we got absolutely mollywopped that night. And, like, you're going to ask a guy, like, hey, how's your future? You want to stay here on the bench? Like, you know, I get guys have, like, a story to push and everything. But it's just, you know, the time and place to ask a guy something like that is kind of annoying. And I'm glad Kelly was able to, like, take it in stride and not express any sort of frustration or really give anything away if there's anything there. Yeah, and I was going to bring up Charlie's tweet, man. He tweeted after that. He, like, tagged the the thing. I thought it was hilarious. brought up the same shit he just said, like – it's a tough question to ask me. Like, the guy was literally on the trading block damn near this whole season, made it pass, and you, you, you kind of talked about it. He's like, yo, I'm, I'm looking at this shit in, like, phases. You know, the first phase was stick with the team past the trade deadline, got there, and now he's like, I'm, I'm all in for this season, blah, blah. And you're saying the right things, and um, obviously people are out there looking for sound bites and stuff. But overall, I mean, I think Kelly's shown that, you know, the, the, with his skill set and just what he can bring to the table that – you know, if he if he does come back, he's going to be a valuable contributor to this team, um, regardless of if it's on the bench or um, on the uh, as a starter. So, I mean, I think that um, it's a tough it's a tough situation for a guy to say, especially as you said, Charlie. This roster is or the team that we've put out this year is not the team that we're going to have next year. If we're not ne- we're not nearly close to the ceiling we can hit. And for a guy like Ubre, who's you know, it, it, and he said it at best, like he said, this is his life, man. Like this is shit that he's going to have to figure out, you know, the next couple months, next few months and stuff. So, I mean, it's a tough question to ask, but I think, I think he answered that perfectly. Um, I don't think he knows either. Like, I think a lot of it's going to come down to the moves the Warriors make, you know, this bio market, um, this off season, um, just kind of gauge where Clay's at, you know, coming back as we get closer to that return. So there's a lot of moving parts. And for a guy like Ubre, who's, who's in such like kind of a weird position, um, there's nothing else you can do except take it day by day. And, you know, I, he's the thing that we got to see from him is more consistency. And, but I mean, if the guy's going to show up and give a hundred percent on the court every night, there's nothing more we can ask. And, you know, the offseason stuff, that shit will work out. But, you know, at first we just got to make sure that um, he wants to be here long-term and he said that. So um, that's kind of the first step for the Warriors in terms of that Ubre thing. But overall, I think it was kind of a shitty question, shitty timing. And um, I think he handled it perfectly. Yeah, I feel okay about yeah. it. I didn't think the, I think the question was asked. It was kind of like a, it was on everybody's mind kind of thing. The deadline didn't go well. I didn't yeah. think it was an awesome sign for the organization. There's another overreaction from the Warriors, like just yeah. media stuff, man. Like, yeah. and I feel like a lot of this stuff is is it's gonna be, you know, it's just part and parcel of being being a player on the Warriors right now. You know, especially somebody like Ubre who is in such a limbo. Um, you know, like I said, man, this this friend, this fan base is super volatile. So it's going to be, you know, some some days where, um, you know, we want Kelly back. There's going to be days where we're, you know, wishing we traded him. But it's just all about looking forward to next season and 
Um, it's a weird like balance because you want to look forward to next season, but you know you're also still in the thick of things right now. So and Steph's injury doesn't help. Um, just kind of hit at the worst possible time. Um, so it, it's kind of just a wait and watch kind of thing. All you can ask for is just consistency on the court. And uh, you know we're we're kind of starting to see that with the young guys, you know, coming in and um, not necessarily delivering wins, but you know just other different guys stepping up. And you know that's all you can ask for right now. Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, the last few weeks have showed us the Warriors do have – they have basketball players in their team. They have guys who, like, belong in the league where <clears> – I mean, they're, they're best-case scenario, you know, looking right now, and it's not a, it's not a poor case. Uh, Poole keeps growing. Uh, Nico has looked like a legitimate, like, backup point guard the last, the last week or two. Um, and so the moves you want to make, I don't know what they are necessarily. I mean, they have they – have, they actually do have eight or nine rotational guys now, I think. I don't think it's a stretch to say that. So I think not making moves is the end of the world. And I even think – uh, I think it was Kawakami saying this on one of those podcasts the other day. Just that, like, and I think I agree. If they do lose Ubre, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think it's like yeah, not at all, not at all. Good, but they have. Um, they're going to have their draft pick. There's some solid wings in the draft. Um, they could pick up that can again. Ubre's good, but like, you're, this- like I think I think they would have traded Ubre if they didn't have a backup plan for if he did resign. And the fact that they kept him. And, you know, Bob and Steve also came out and said, you know, we want to see if Kelly wants to be here long-term. We want to see if that we can make that work. So I think they want him here long-term. Um, obviously, financially, he's going to have to, you know, some plan around there. But I'm sure they have a contingency plan if he does walk. Um, some sort of sign and trade, hopefully, he can get done. And, you know, that's that shit, like, just down the line. So yeah. um, there's so – and, the, like, it's just back to that whole, like, there's so much stuff moving around. There's so much stuff left in this season that is left for the Warriors to kind of figure out. And – um, obviously, we're still in the mix for that plan and hopefully sneak into the playoffs. So um, there's a lot riding in these last, you know, 30-something games or whatever's left. So um, all of this offseason stuff is, is going to be that. It's going to be offseason talk. And um, I think we just got to look back and just, you know, focus on the moment and focus on how we can get better in the next week, next two weeks, and really get back to when, you know, get back to that playoff, you know, yeah. caliber team that we can be. Yeah, I, I just – I also want to harp in real quick just on the guys we like missed on supposedly. I know a lot of people were kind of freaking out over the non-Lonzo acquisition. Uh, who else were they looking at? Just a few guys. The Warriors don't have the firepower to get. Bogey. Yeah. That should be nice though. Yeah, it would be great, man. But you always got to ask yourself, why would the other team do that? You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Why would exactly. For Ubre, especially just given who Bogdanovich has been most of the last two years. And Lonzo, like I don't – a lot of people felt like that trade was coming, but there's – Absolutely no reason for the Pelicans to move that guy. There's no- yeah, I mean, and like San, like Lonzo, like he, he kind of was in a similar situation like Kelly. Man, he he started off kind of a little, a little cold to the season, and you know he just played himself to such a high uh, a trade asset that um, the guy just make like he makes that Pelicans offense run. I know Bi and Zion are there, but when Lonzo has the ball, man, he's he's really cool. And obviously, it would have been great to great to have him with the Warriors. I still think he'd be a great fit. But yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's just one of those things you said, man, like why would the Pelicans – when you can just wait and see what happens. And I feel like that's a lot of stuff, especially with this trade deadline, with so much stuff in limbo for next season that uh, maybe holding on to your guys that could be assets are not necessarily the worst option right now. So um, yeah, I think a lot I of think, it – yeah. Yeah, with the Pelicans too. Like I like that you brought them into that because I think they're another team too where, you know, obviously they – tried to put a lot of stuff on the floor around a couple stars this season, mm-hmm. tried to get back to some winning. Obviously none of that's really working out and, you know, maybe they can sneak into the play in conversation, but I definitely don't think they intended to, you know, put some assets into this team to have it turn out this way. And 
you saw all these kind of like armchair, you know, guys with trade machines trying to, you know, like break that roster apart and be like, how can you do this? How can you Every, do that? Everyone thinks they're a GM, bro. Everyone thinks they're a GM nowadays, so. Yeah, and <laughs> like you have to, you know, like the comments like that, when you look at the things that are said to Kelly, like on the trade deadline, like we forget the human element of these guys so much. 100%. That, you know, like when you see a guy like Steph too, you know, I'm sure Steph has like his deal of frustration with the players on this team. And, you know, we've seen him had his little yelling episode, which is so weird and uncharacteristic of him. It was dope though. Yeah, it was dope. And I love seeing him, you know, have that passion, but at the same time, you know, he buys into these guys and there'd be an equal sense of frustration of like, Whoa, we put together, you know, half the team we intended this year. We're still, you know, trying to get our legs underneath us. And now you just trade away a bunch of guys on the roster. Like, that's how you piss a team off too. You know, it's not all like, Oh, you have to be all in or all out all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of this, like it boils down to like this, this, like this superstar kind of moving thing, like going to different teams. We've seen it with the Nets and like everybody wants to build a championship right now. Like you want to, you know, sign like that superstar and very rarely does that happen. You know, it's once in a generation where you can add Kevin Durant to a 73 19, where you can, you know, get LeBron and D Wade on the same team with Chris Bosh, you know? So it's, it's, it takes it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time to build a champ. There's a reason why there's been all-time greats that have never won championships. Um, and it's, it's fucking hard, man. So it for the Warriors to – and that's that's the biggest thing that pisses me off with all these overreactions. I'm like, dude, this is it's a, it's a work in progress, man. If you, you don't build a house in a day, you know, you got to build it brick by brick. And right now the Warriors are kind of in the middle of that fucking, you know, building that house. They're halfway through. They got the layout and shit, but, you know, you got to get the right bricks in there. So – um, Kelly's giving us a lot of bricks too. So, um, um, but, um, no, but like on a serious note, like it's just, it's a, it's a long-term thing. And really this team is not as full potential and to overreact and stuff, you're just kind of adding fuel to the fire and just kind of messing with, you know, players heads. And like you said, Charlie, there's a human element to all this. And obviously if you're a guy that's going out there busting your ass on the court to just come back in here and how you didn't get traded and just all the negative stuff about your life, like it's going to piss off anyone. So, um, overall, man, it's just patience is key, and I think that's something that's lost upon this entire, you know, the season especially. Yeah, it's just frustrating. We, uh, fans really want to go like to what they perceive as being all-in moves, but none of them are. And a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's Steph's prime. You know, you have to get any of the, any of the best players you can to like, just give yourself a chance." Like one of the big ones was you guys know you guys know Tommy, I'm sure on uh, yeah. Orton, right. He was like, "How did I those, knew this one was coming up? How did Vucevic slide to the?" Bulls, you know, that's a – if you can trade Wiseman, whatever, Vucevic, it's, you have to do it. And I'm like, if you have Vucevic playing in the conference finals against any team, man, he's not he's not in the court for this last – for the fourth quarter. He's just yeah, not. Like $30 million. Dollars and you gave up a young, you know, a young big and Wiseman for a guy like that. And it's just – like you were saying, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, there's no game-changing players in the market right now to trade for as is. Exactly, exactly. Um, and the Warriors' best chance at having, like, great seasons to come really is – uh, building this young team like think what they have so what do they have and what do they have in Wiseman? what do they have in nico what do they have in jordan pool you know what do they have in jta and finding out you know give these guys a season because if these guys can turn into like solid rotational players right now that's far more on the contracts they're on than they could be trading for you know and if they do need to make trades you know three months from now summertime 100 and like that's the thing like there you you can't like that's and it just boils down to this entire like warriors kind of fandom it as, as a whole man like if something's going right, like we, when we had that like three, four game win streak, 
everybody's like, yo, this team winning a championship next year, you know, we'll see what happens. Four C. Four C, yeah, whatever. And, like, just right after that winning streak, we had a four-game losing streak, and everybody's like, blow it up, trade Wiseman, do this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so it's just like, yo, like, it's, it's just a weird, like, I don't understand how people don't understand the entire player development thing. Like, everybody wants to liken, like, the Warriors to the Spurs and, like, wanting to be like them. Um, the Spurs aren't winning championships every year, but they're developing talent, they're developing players, and that's what made them so uh, – a franchise that was, long, like, very long-lasting and, you know, consistently being a threat. And, you know, as you kind of approach this, you know, Steph latter years, Clay latter years and stuff, it, it's all about being consistent and just putting a good team out there and developing your own talent, putting faith in those young guys that, you know, you drafted and you, you saw an opportunity in them. That's the biggest thing you can do to build a championship team. And, you know, making moves, like we said, man, it, it, it's hard to hit a home run every time, you know. So um, you just got to trust the process. Shout out Joel Embiid, who would be a think, guy uh, I would love to trade for. <laughs> I think we got to talk, too, about some of those young guys who just, you know, even with nothing – being added to the Warriors at the deadline, we got to talk about Jordan Poole just feeling like a completely new player. I mean, he's just been so different. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know the last time you guys remember seeing a guy where like you're like, oh Flip man, the, the, switch, light, the light just turned on. Like whatever it is, he has it now, and he I just have- found this incredible consistency right out of the G League bubble. I mean, I know some people want to, you know, like. I mean, we go back to the toxicity of the fans. You know, some people want to be like, oh, the G League staff got their hands on him and now he's good. Like, the NBA coaches can't develop. Like, so yeah, like, that's how insane we're getting with this stuff. True. But I, mean, I think yeah, a, lot like, of it, a lot of it for Jordan, at least for JP, is you can see the game's kind of slowing down for him. Like, he, he really is understanding where he's got to be on the court. And obviously, you know, running next to Steph, um, seeing Steph play every night. And he's kind of stepped in that Steph kind of role right now, just, you know, coming off off-ball screens, you know, picking rolls with people up top. So he's kind of – I think it's just slowing down for him. You're seeing him be way more confident, um, really, like, prizing his dribble. Um, he's – you know, he's making the right moves. Um, his first step is just disgustingly quick. Um, so he's really using that quickness to his advantage. I will say that I want to see him be a little bit more aggressive. Um, like, I'm not saying he's not been, and I think he's done a great job so far. But there have been times where, you know, he's he's had, you know, the sliver of daylight to hit, uh, take a three. And um, there's been times when he's been feeling it and he's just kind of looking to pass, which is not a bad thing. But You can tell um, he's absolutely still, like, Oh, yeah, he's still he's still kind of yeah, he's, he's yeah still, exactly and like it's, it's not even like a knock on his game or anything it's just one of those things where the more confidence you get and I think once Steph comes back and um kind of takes a little bit more um pressure off Jordan from the uh just defense is playing on him um you're just going to see him consistently become a you know hopefully a 15 16 point a night score off the bench and um like we said man that's 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 the key thing you want to see especially from a season like this you want to see guys like JP Nico um Wiseman develop and um, Jordan's taking that first right step into really becoming that backup point guard for us and that back, like that combo guard next year, I, this guy's going to be insane. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I want to add, I think just on the note of, I mean, there's a lot of criticism towards the coaching staff as to like not having Jordan on the ball more. Uh, when you watch him play point guard, I get the idea by having as an off guard a little bit because he does over dribble a little bit. Like you were saying, if he has the chance to have mm. the ball too long. And I think, like you said, prizing his dribble, taking care of that, making sure he's using, making sure he's using, uh, He's making plays with intent, you know, and I think he does a lot more of that when he's off the ball and he has a uh, limited position, you know, or possession, sorry. And so I think that's been awesome to see. And, like, you notice the the game slowing down. Like, yeah, dude, he's 
I think he more so than Nico, but Nico even a little bit recently too. They just they're the only guys besides Draymond who seem to find Wiseman, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's Wiseman needs that obviously. Um, and it is just like you said, it's awesome. I think Charlie, that was you that just said a moment ago. Like, have you ever seen a guy just come back and the switch just flips? You know, yeah, absolutely. it's nuts, man. Because the guy has the talent. He has the talent to be, you know, a, I don't know. I'm pretty high on Jordan Floyd right now, man. I think the guy yeah. can be twenty point game score. He's got a plethora of dribble moves, man. The guy's got really good touch around the basket. Um, and the worst part is, sorry, real quick, like the build, like the whole fan base thing, like. Last year when Jordan Poole wasn't performing, everybody was like, why do we draft this guy? You know, what the hell is going on? Like, talent scout. Yeah, exactly. APJ, and uh, all the tape, man, he's in his second year. Um, he went to college for like a year or two or whatever. Coming in, just finding confidence and just, just being patient with these guys, man. They're 19, 20, 21. They're younger than us. And, like, they're playing NBA games every night. So it's obviously a learning curve there. And, like, it's going to take some time, but you know, once, once we see him starting to figure it out and I'm sure it's going to happen with Nico as well. I'm sure it's going to happen with Wiseman. Once they start to figure it out, the game is going to slow down. They're going to figure this out. And that's the kind of trust you need to put in. And you kind of see that with Jordan already. And, you know, as you kind of just give these young guys a chance, just give them a run um, and just give them, see what they can do. And, you know, obviously Jordan's doing a great job and yeah, hopefully going forward. Yeah. And he's kind of just like a whole, if he's on the floor with Steph, all of a sudden they get the ball game is entirely different, man. He can get, yeah. in, he can score, and all of a sudden, if he's your, you know, your off guard there as well, he's nasty. It's, it's nasty. a legitimate. You have legitimate offensive, a real ceiling there that they have not had all year. Um, and so I'm kind of getting. Once Steph gets back, I think we're going to see a lot of fourth quarters. Those five guys in the court, and with those five yeah. guys, I mean, you know, um, Draymond at the five and Jordan at the uh, two, more or less. You know, and I think it's going to be. I think they have a really high ceiling in that group. I'm, I'm, I again, I'm high on Jordan Poole. Um, the guy is clearly very talented, man. He gets to the free throw line a lot too, which is not, yeah, nothing. That's three points for a guy who's already like pretty skilled scorer. So, um, what, what is his ceiling for you, Charlie? What do you see Jordan Poole as? Yeah, well, I, I thought it was interesting because I thought he was more of an off-ball guy who could give you like a touch of on-ball when he was coming out of college, and. I think when you look at sort of the development, what's so interesting is, you know, we've seen this with Wiseman a lot. Like there's all this screaming and ranting about, oh, he's doing this. Oh, he can, he's posting up all the time. Like, it's not great. You know, I get it. But at the same time, like part of development is asking guys to do things that they're uncomfortable with. 100%. Like, you know, that James Wiseman can handle the ball, run the floor. I mean, you know, the catching is still a question mark, but he can, yeah, he can face up, he can shoot you know he can do all those things and it'll be a lot easier for him to get comfortable with those things at the NBA level, but he was never comfortable on the block. And like now he's trying to work that in. And it's been the same thing with Poole, I think where he's been this dynamic sort of like mostly off ball guy through most of his career, at least, you know, at college and above. And when they just really forced the ball into his hands at the G league level and made him work out this balance in his game. And now you can see it on the court. Like, he's able to just flow back and forth, you know, taking the ball, like playing off the ball and really working within a team. It's just such an awesome thing to see out of his development. Yeah. And, you, think- know, you talk about with the kind of rage about like, ah, oh, let's, you know, freak out about a guy year one that he's yeah, not really it- developing. Like when you look at the Warriors as a whole on the youth that they've drafted, like, you know, a month ago it was, oh shit, well we have Wiseman and, you know, some picks in the future that'll be good. Like, I don't know. But now you have this legitimate dynamic combo guard that, you know, just came out of nowhere. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that really just speaks to, you know, don't overreact on how a guy looks. Like, it's so rare for yeah. a guy to just be so bad in his rookie season that he can never recover. And at the same time, if a guy's good, you know, maybe it just sort of like falls we saw, off. We saw with Pascal, man. He had a great rookie year, and, you know, he's kind of having some, some tough, tough luck right now. And um, it, it's just one of those, like, you just got to, you know, take advantage of the opportunities you get. And Jordan Poole is doing a fantastic job that, you know, kind of putting this team on his back. Um, I like the player comp you asked, Matt. I was kind of thinking about it. Kind of reminds me of like a more versatile version of uh, Barbosa, back from like the 2015 years. Um, you know, he's got that quick first step. Um, obviously, Barbosa was more of a two guard, but when you play Jordan in there, he's a better shooter. I um, mean, get to the rim. You said get to the foul line. So I think, um, you know, when we saw Barbosa back in the day, uh, it was one of those second unit kind of just kind of steady the ball, steady the pace. Um, and, you know, if you needed a bucket, you just run the pick and roll. He's quick. Um, so I'm excited to see. Um, I think when Clay comes back, um, regardless of whatever health Clay's at, I think a lineup of like Steph, Clay, and JP is going to be nasty just with the way um, those two guys, obviously Steph and Clay, with the gravity they take, I think the floor is just going to open up for Jordan Poole, and um, he's really going to shine. And you're seeing that already just when he plays with Steph. I'm excited to see how he looks, especially after Steph comes back from this – this ass injury or whatever the fuck. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun, man. I, I, Jordan Poole really has been a, um, a nice little nice little discovery of these last few games. Yeah. I also want to add, I mean, Charlie, you kind of talked about him being off the ball and how you kind of see him as a player. I think in the way you talked about Wiseman, too, developing those skills you're not good at. Like, there's the most valuable players in the league are those players that can play both on and off the ball. And Poole can clearly do both at this point. Again, he has – he's a really skilled guy. You know, developing that ability to be off the ball is going to be – if you're on a team with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, um, whoever else is on the court, that is an invaluable skill. It's just like if you want to be on the court with those guys, you need to be able to do that. So I think it's really awesome to point that out and just kind of this guy is going to develop. Um, I asked about ceiling for you guys. I'm curious. I, I honestly, I do. I know, again, it might be overreaction, but I think there's some McCollum, some real stuff there with the kid. Mm-hmm. He really does have a lot of skill, I think. Um, I see. I, again, I can see the guy averaging 20 points a game on a certain, uh, maybe not in the Warriors anytime soon, potentially, but I think you guys said 16, 17 points a game off the bench. I don't think that's unrealistic and at that's, all. And that's, that's big time. That's huge. For- yeah. In the same, in the same vein, I thought he was a lot like Jordan Clarkson. Uh, I think Ooh, the interesting thing though, is that Clarkson's been a guy where he hasn't played in like these motion systems, you know, he's had to rely on like getting his own buckets a lot more, but the reason I think Poole can be so devastating like within this system while being creating by himself is, you know, you touched on it, Gotham, like he's unreal with his first step. Like he can just cook dudes so quickly and yeah. it's just such an impressive change, but the way he dominates out of the triple threat, like the way he's developed his passing, like his ability to sort of fake guys out into these shots, mm-hmm. like, he's developed those hardened like tricks where, you know, he kind of like looks lazy on the ball and then suddenly he's getting his shot up. It's just, you know, you can see him really working out that feel for the game where he can beat you and either get his own shot on the perimeter and get to the rim in two seconds. And it's it's a lot of this, a lot of the development. I mean, obviously you never want to see a guy like Steph get hurt, but a lot of this is because Steph's injury. I mean, you know, after the G league, Jordan was coming back, playing some good minutes, but when he was inserted in the starting lineup after Steph went out and really kind of got the reins of the offense with that starting group, you really got to see him like showcase his entire just talent. Um, and I think that, you know, it's just going to be going forward for him. It's just, you know, it's just building blocks. And as you kind of get closer to the playoffs and hopefully as this roster kind of 
comes full scale um, towards the end of this season, at least. Um, you know, Jordan Poole is going to be one of those, you know, key guys we go to down the stretch in games that we need to win, you know, play in game, um, playoff stuff. So I'm super excited to see what happens with him. And uh, yeah, it's going to be cool. I'll add one last thing. He, he's not a good defender, but he's got uh, he's smart. He showed more intensity over the last again. Everybody, every, when I say everybody, I mean literally everybody mailed it in last game. Like there was a mm, yeah, no, that Draymond Kelly looked like a guy who got traded, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you would think that Kelly got traded, but had one more game to play. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. way coming for last night. But uh, he's really trying, man. Uh, he's really giving it a lot. Uh, just wanted to add that little bit. Yeah, um, I think. Perfect time for a little break. Let's say what's up to our guys at Anchor. Matt, you've been killing that shit. So let's uh, let's listen to you do this. All right. Catch you guys on the on after the break. Uh, what's up, guys? Thanks, Matt. Second time around. Killed it again. Good shit, man. You're really getting that Anchor stuff down. Shout out Anchor. Um, so, guys, um, it's kind of the last little segment on this pod. Been a good one so far. Um, it's the million-dollar question, man. It's, it's what Warriors Twitter is – mind-boggling over um the blaze with this question man i know there uh there's um there's some sleepless nights being spent by some by some dudes in their mom's basement right now um but here's the thing million dollar question are the warriors tanking or are they not matt charlie take it away yeah so we talked about this a little bit um having this conversation you know going into the deadline i think when you look at the combination of the play-in and the quality of this draft coming in, it's so easy for teams to sell themselves on, look, if we don't get into the playoffs, which there's a very good chance of us being there, we're going to get a very good player in this draft. Like, that's pretty much locked in with the kind of talent that's available. Obviously, the Warriors are already waiting on things with the Minnesota pick. That's kind of out of their hands, but it looks like they're going to be going down to the odds and whether or not that's top five picks. And obviously, you know, that Thunder pick is pretty much a lock to be staying with us. Like, the Warriors are going to keep their picks. So, I think when you look at it from that frame, like, there's no point to tank if it's a win either way. You know, like, if you are on the bubble of the playoffs, either you get into the playoffs, you get you guys some experience, maybe you steal a series, that's great. If you don't, then you're the ninth or tenth best team in the lottery you get yourselves a pretty good chance of having two top 10 picks. I mean, like, how is that not a total win-win? And even if you want to tank it up with this team, like, what are you going to do? Make yourself 10th best to like seventh best? Like there are some truly atrocious teams. (laughs) Good luck trying to get Steph to rest when he's totally healthy. So yeah, like, I, I don't know how people have even like arrived at that conclusion. And I, I give it like 0% chance that they're trying to tank. Yeah, I think the answer to that question is kind of like the question. The answer is does it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know that it does. I don't, I don't like Charlie. I don't think they are. But again, I don't think they're going to try and win games at the cost of developing players that they need to help them win next year. You know, that's kind of the question here. Is like, why would they? Are they going to compromise? You know, you know, future success so they have a chance of being in the play-in tournament? I don't know. Probably not. You know, what I mean, and I probably wouldn't either if it meant like getting Nico as reps, getting Jordan Poole as reps, getting Wiseman as reps. That's going to be. Far more, far more valuable for next year than an eighth seed run of the playoffs is for Steph Curry's career, you know? And again, for a team that, that uh, has $130 million between four players, the best way to add good talent is through the first round of the draft. 
and especially if it's a lottery pick, like, like you said, they're going to get some good guys. They have a good chance to be, being the lotteries again, man, if you're, if you're a team that, that can be in the playoffs when you're healthy and you haven't been healthy all year and you can add a lottery talent, it's not a loss. And that's two, potentially two rotational players next year that they wouldn't be able to get otherwise. So uh, are they tanking? No, I don't think so. Um, but I also don't think they're going to try to comp. I think they're developing their talent. Yeah. I mean, you guys said it, man. It's a win-win situation regardless. Um, like you said, Charlie, this is a deep draft. Um, you know, you're just seeing players just come up who um, I think at least any pick in the lottery, I think we'll, we'll add somebody that we can um, add to this roster that will help us win games next season. Um, that being said, I think, I think Steve Kerr said it best, man. I think we're not chasing wins. Um, that's not saying we're not going to go out and win games if we, if we can, but you know, it's not going to be one of those things. I think they're, I don't think they're openly going to go out and lose games, but you know, if it's obviously if it's a close game or something like that, obviously, you know, as team morale is always going to try and get that win, but um, you're not going to go push everybody to the grindstone trying to, you know, beat the, you know, bucks on some night, you know, it's just going to be, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I mean, it's a, we're in a cool spot, like obviously losing sucks, but when you kind of look at the bigger picture, um, you know, if we can, if we can add two top 10 picks, like you said, um, that's huge. Um, and that's a great point, Matt. I mean, Steph Curry's prime is not going to be based on, you know, getting bounced by the Suns or the Jazz in the first round. Um, he's, he's got a lot more. The guy's, you know, he's a young 33, 32, 33, however old he is. Um, you can see the way he's talking, like, obviously they're building towards the next four or five years. Um, so they've got a lot left in the tank. Um, no pun intended. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of potential with this team. Um, we're in a great spot. That Minnesota pick. Um, hopefully, they can keep going on you know 22 nothing runs and helping us with those odds. But um, overall, I think that um, it's in a cool spot. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're openly tanking like you guys said. But um, win or lose at this point, um, there's not much more um, we can do with this season. Um, I think playing is where we're headed to. Um, but, you know, if we do end up dropping, um, this Steph injury kind of came at a – I don't want to say at a good time, but at a, at a weird time where it kind of puts this year into perspective where what are we trying to do. Guys got um, horrible luck, man. A massive ginger so on his hand last year, dude. And he, dude, and – this year, yeah, dude. Fucking Houston, bro. Houston's got – it's cursed. It's cursed. Um, but uh, um, something about freak injuries there. Um, but, any, like, back to the question, like, I think – I mean, we kind of saw in, like, the last couple games, like – um, that Kings game, that first half, we were kind of in it. Um, defensively, was just t- terrible. But um, offensively, you know, we we're getting some great looks. Wiggins was going out there, balling. Uh, Nico was playing well. Uh, Jordan Poole. So I think that's the kind of stuff that we're gonna get, uh, we're gonna see a lot more of, especially with Steph out. Um, and like you, like you guys said, man, Steph's not gonna just lay down and lose a game if he had like he's gonna go out there and ball like he does all the time. So um, we're gonna be out there. We're, we're gonna be in this playoff mix for sure in some way. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no reason to tank. And, um, I don't think that that's the mindset of the team, but win-win either way. So, um, it works out. I'm glad you brought up the, the chasing wins comment too, because that's been like, <laughs> it's been, ban- that's been like the banner of like the, the light years, the front light years people, yeah. bro. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, we know who it is. Like when you're talking about the like overly negative, like this front office has just been, like, like some people have it in their heads that like 
Jerry West left, and then suddenly, like, everyone in the room just has, like, their thumb up their ass, and, like, the whole organization, yes. like, doesn't know what they're doing, and, like, you get, you don't get here by accident, you know, like, there are some valid criticisms, I think, to be had. Of oh, 100%, like, but, like, I think like, there, there's a difference between valid criticisms and just fucking throwing people under the bus for no reason. Yeah, and, like, chasing wins, you know, I think people took that as a comment talking about, like, a specific game itself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, we're not chasing every single game. Like, they are. Like, if whoever is on the floor for that game is absolutely – Going out to win. They're going for it, yeah. You're like, when you're, when you're tanking – yeah, like tanking involves like putting the wrong guys on the floor. Yeah. Like tanking's like what the Thunder are doing when like dudes get into the lineup where you're like, I don't know your name. Like, they can I've figure it out though, man. Those guys just win games, dude. Yeah, they still I mean, that's the power of Shea. <laughs> Shout out like, Shea, you know, man. I could I could talk about that forever, but like you know, within the context of tanking, like that is just kind of so ridiculous. And I think chasing wins is, you know, like if the Warriors were going full tilt to try to just maximize 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 like why would you know if chasing wins is like pushing your chips in on this season when you don't even have clay thompson like that's makes no sense wins. makes and no that sense it's just stupid you know we've seen where this team's going without their full strength so i think you know that was a lot more big picture than people yeah, really intended 100%. and they've now you see the sort of thing where it's like oh every time there's a game or that doesn't go well or, you know, we get blown out or there's like one weird lineup decision. It's, Oh, we're, we're not chasing wins. Like, look, if you want to be pissed off, you're going to be pissed off. Get like, pissed off for the right reasons, you know, get pissed off. Cause you know, JTA didn't play that one game after that Kings game. That's, that's a valid reason to get pissed off. But like, yeah, that's fine. When you're, when you're, when you're just throwing, like when you're using a soundbite just to like, make a point or try to be when it's like the warriors didn't get uh vucevic from the magic yeah it's like dude you your mind over it like you gotta you're, you're, you're tripping yeah vucevic is like seven feet tall and he's absolutely allergic to the rim and people have been like complaining about jt i mean uh wiseman for doing like the exact same thing you know like you it's, can't just like it's just one guy's in. an all-star one guy just 19 so yeah exactly like it's apples to oranges like it's just exactly. not the same thing and like and, I feel, and I'll, I'll guarantee you, bro, next year when we're actually, like, chasing wins and getting, you know, getting uh, like, an actual team on the court, like, it's going to be the same people that are like, oh, you know, this last year was all worth it because blah, blah, blah. It's, it's all guys that, you know, in the moment, the, you know, the fire the, the fire's burned down the house, but when you look at it from, like, you know, six months ago or whatever, it's, it's going to be a whole different story. And um, I think people are going to look back at this year and be like, you know, however it plays out, I think, Either way, it's going to be one of those, like, okay, this was, this was a year that we needed. Um, obviously, injuries hit at a weird time, but um, the development uh, that we've seen already and hopefully we'll continue to see for the rest of this year and going into next year um, is going to be the biggest, um, the, biggest, the biggest win that we can chase. Yeah. Um, on Even this in, the, in the media sense, too, like with, with all the stuff that guys get upset about, you know, it seems to get so ridiculous because – you know, even last season, like, that was objectively the most miserable Warriors year imaginable with, you know, the injuries in the finals, Steph getting his hand sat on, you know, like, <laughs> just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And it still was a great year. It was, it was a great yeah, year. it was fun. Great and, like, year. You know, even, like, the kind of environment around, like, social media and stuff with the Warriors, like, it was funny, you know, like, yeah, people dude, had was... fun 
It was and nice not, to not. It was nice not to you know have a championship or bust year as as, yeah. as weird and as that sounds. Um, and sometimes you know like when you take away like all your expectations, like you can just find that like humor and you know like get a good laugh out of like being bad and whatever. Yeah, and and it comes it, it comes back to yeah. the thing where you know Warriors fans want to win a championship overnight and it's not gonna happen. Um, not gonna happen this year. It wasn't gonna happen last year. Build for the future and. You're in a spot right now where, you know, when you're building, you got a lot of potential to build for the future in these next, you know, four or five weeks, um, regardless of whatever happens. Um, go out there, play your best basketball, um, develop these guys, play as hard as you want. But um, at the end of the day, whatever happens is is going to be good moving forward. So um, I think this whole debate of should they tank, should they not tank, why are they losing, blah, 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 it's just, it's just fans trying to, trying to find a problem when there really isn't one. Um, it sucks to lose games and it sucks watching the team lose games, but you know, it's, it's, it, this is all part of the bigger picture, man. Yeah. I think a lot of this, I was telling you guys, I was talking to my pops earlier, man, about this and how a lot of fans right now uh, are, are coming from the era of, you know, championships and all that. And they want more of that. Whereas people who like are, there's a different side of this where people on the other side of this are kind of like, yeah, that was great. We just don't want what it was 15 years ago. The championships were awesome. We don't want, you know, mediocrity for 75% of 40 years. You know, um, and I think that, I mean, long-term, man, this, this, this is an encouraging year. Like you said, they've got 100%. two draft picks. Steph looks like he's going to be good for a long, long time. After missing a whole year last year, that's not a given. You know, he could have come back this year and been a shell of himself, and he hasn't been. He's been mm-hmm. great. He looks like a guy who's going to age really nicely. Um, Draymond. He's like fine wine, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. And Draymond is not like a – Again, he's not scoring. I think he's the guy – I've been saying this for a minute now on Twitter. Just the guy's got to average 10 points a game. And he can do that, though. He has games where he, it's, all, it's just a matter of him attacking. But there's encouraging signs from this season uh, going forward than, than there are – there's more, I should say, than there are negative. It's not particularly close, I don't think. So, uh, the franchise is headed in a good direction. Whether that's championship or not, I don't know. But or at least championship in the near future or not, I don't know. But, again, there's more to be positive about than not. I mean – uh, they've got some solid roster. The sky, the sky isn't falling, man. It's, it's, it's. We're, we're, we're going to be fine. We're going to yeah. be totally okay. Andrew Wiggins is like li- living up to eighty percent of his contract, probably. You know, there's, mm. there's stuff going on, man. Yeah, man. It's, a, it's a good, it's a good spot to call this pod, man. We ended on a little, little, little night light note. Um, Warriors doing fine, but uh, how are we? How are we looking this week on games, man? What's uh, what do we got to look forward to? I'm really peaked. They Miami. They got Chicago. Um, that's Wednesday and Monday, respectively. I think. Yeah, my, uh, yeah Miami. We got. Oh yeah, we got Chicago tomorrow. We got Miami Thursday, Toronto, Atlanta. There's some like if if Steph comes back, man. There's some there's some winnable games. I mean, um, like we said, not really chasing them, but you know, let's go out there, get some dubs, get some confidence back, uh, break this losing streak. Um, and I just want to see some good some good basketball, man. I think defensively, we got to figure some stuff out, but. No, other than that, just go out, see what you can do. Hey, win or lose, Brad Wanamaker will not be playing. <laughs> and that's the biggest dub we've chased all season, man. That's the one we needed. <laughs> I'm going to ask you guys right now. So, are the Warriors, not even playoffs, are they going to be in the play-in tournament? I think so. I think we'll end with the 9 or 10 seed. Um, realistically, yeah. I think I think, so. you know, if Steph's injury was a little longer – I think it was a conversation worth having, but you know, he's going to be back for all. Yeah. Week. For all we know, like he'll be back sooner Thursday. in the week than later. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you look at teams like 
the, you know, like even with the Lakers, people are just kind of like, uh oh, like you lose your two stars, like that really brings your your floor down a lot lower. But I think when Steph comes back, you know, like they've shown this year that their ability to just hover around 500 is kind of ridiculous. It's it's insane and, how we've, yeah. we're still in this conversation, and it's all thanks to fucking Stephen Curry. Um, yeah, and, you know, they've been up and down, but, like, ultimately the team has just remained so consistent with their results. And I think, you know, we've seen this – I mean, it's been a rough patch without Steph. Like, no question about that. Like, just getting – it's kind of smacked around. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know if we, like, I, I don't, I don't know if we expected anything else really. Like, obviously, yeah. Um, you'd like, want to hope for like better, like defensive showings, but I mean, even when we were on like locker room stuff, I, I was the only one predicting wins and that was just cause I was kind of like, yeah, man, if stuff's, if stuff's healthy, like a, a team with healthy staff can't miss the playoffs. Yeah. Like, and, and it's, it, you know, with a healthy staff and, you know, hopefully this, you know, this stretch without Steph gives them, gives these uh, other guys some confidence going forward. But um, I wouldn't put it past the Warriors that, you know, kind of ste- even as a 10 seed, you know, sneak into that, uh, sneak into that little, that eight spot. Um, I think uh, the West is so brutal that, you know, any team can be anyone on a given night. Um, so a playing tournament is going to be fun regardless of what actually does go down. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see. So we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun little closeout, little 25, 30 games of the season. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm on the opposite page. I think they're going to be out of it. I, think so. I do think. I'm not going to lie. That's my, that's my gut feeling. I, I know I love Steph. I have a feeling he's going to miss a little more time than we're, than we're thinking. I think uh, Sacramento is playing very well of late. New Orleans is playing on and off a little bit. I think Sacramento is 6-1 and one their last seven games. Or yeah, they're balling. Absurd. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I just don't – like I said, I, I, not any uh, not any negative connotation, but I don't think the Warriors are chasing wins. I think it's okay. Uh, and I want to make very clear that if they don't make the play in, I don't think the sky is falling. I think it's oh, okay. 100%. Either what, whatever goes down, I think, um, for going forward, we'll be totally, totally fine. Mm. Um, but yeah, other than that, guys, um, thank you guys for listening. It's been a, it's been a fun, long pod, man. It's been, got a lot to get off our chest today. Um, Matt, Charlie coming in with some hot takes. Uh, we got some nice puns in there. Um, so, you know, we're out here just balling in a nice little Sunday afternoon. Um, but other than that, you guys got anything you guys want to shout out real quick? Yeah. Uh, I got a draft article coming out soon. Uh, did some great stuff with Ryan Meadows and Adrian Walker, a couple of our other writers. Uh, we'll have that coming out, covering some top five prospects, some sleepers, uh, possibly several future Warriors. So, <laughs> always yeah, yeah. exciting. Um, and I'll like, ask your top five real quick. Is that something you're allowed to do? I'll give – I mean, I think the I think the top ones are kind of spoken for. You know, you know, Cade, uh, you know, you know, Suggs, you know, Mobley. Uh, the one I will give away that I'm top five on is Scotty Barnes, man. I want to see that guy right. in a Warriors uniform so damn bad. He's just an absolute freak, like, playmaking nightmare. So, yeah, like, I'm I'm all in on him being in the motion offense, switching everything. Let's see it happen. But, yeah, hopefully we got that coming out soon and then doing a little wrap-up on uh, James Wiseman now that he's thankfully back into a little health and a little rhythm. Awesome. Matt, you got anything? I've been a non-rider for like a month or two now, man. I gotta yeah, get back. yeah, man. Join the club. Um, I will say shout out um, Fan Allegiance. We're uh, in talks with a new designer. So hopefully we get some new merch coming out soon. Thinking about Excellent. some Game 6 Clay stuff. Maybe some, some Warriors merch out there. 
Mm. Um, and if you guys listen to this pod all the way through, DM me. I'll give you a little discount code. Um, at Gotham Rottenham NBA. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, all of us. Um, other than that, follow at Game 6 Clay Pod, and we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Thanks, yes.